0: Welcome to the Healthy Christian Leader Podcast. In today's episode, Chad McDonald shares how Christian leaders should respond during seasons of criticism and discouragement. Chad encourages his listeners to be anchored to biblical truth about our current reality, that God's presence is with us, our call to suffer for the sake of the gospel, the reality of sin in the human heart, and the refinement that comes to us through the presence of hardship. This talk brings a much-needed reminder to Christian leaders. So, with that being said, let's jump in. Uh, My name is Chad McDonald, and I have the joy and privilege of serving on the C2C network here in Atlantic Canada. And previous to that role, I had the opportunity to serve for many years in pastoral ministry. Please understand that this morning as as I present to you, as I talk, that I, like you, am a learner and a practitioner in ministry, still learning and figuring much of this stuff out. Uh, By no means do I come to you this morning uh, presenting as an expert on this topic. Actually, this is a huge area that the Lord is working in my life, and I would say is an area of weakness, and so I'm thankful for the way that the Holy Spirit has been speaking into my life, and I pray that he would speak into your life this morning as well. Let's pray together as we begin. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are our King, that you are our Lord. And everything that we do in our lives ultimately is to bring you glory and to bring you worship. We thank you for your church, which is the Bride of Christ. We thank you for the calling on our lives to lead your people. And Father, we repent of taking advantage of that or forgetting our position in you, our identity in you, Jesus. We pray this morning that Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. That as leaders and ministers of your people, we would be empowered and equipped, and equipped to serve you and love you the best that we can. So Father, we welcome you here this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us in your powerful name. Amen. Today's topic is one that is very familiar to each of us. Uh, we live with it daily and also teach our people about it. Uh, often as we journey life together. However, today's topic is one that we as ministers and leaders, I believe, are plagued with, and I would agree face in a more significant or intense way than others in their roles in life and their professions. The title of my talk today is When Arrows Fly, a topic of how we as pastors and leaders deal with the arrows that fly our way in ministry. If you've been in ministry for more than One day, you know the challenges of ministry, that ministry is tough. Ministry is filled with arrows or trials that come our way, arrows that pierce our hope, our purpose, our joy, our mission, and our calling. Even now, as you sit here this morning, many of you may feel under attack. Maybe an email that came in this morning accusing you of something you never said. Or maybe this past Sunday somebody walked up to you after your sermon to to deliver some helpful news or feedback. That was nothing but discouraging. Maybe you recently found out that one of your staff or key volunteers is throwing in the towel. Or maybe arrows are being fired at you from a particular secular group or organization that heard you preach or blog about a biblical truth that they would disagree with. The list of examples is endless. It's no reason that many pastors have been taken out of ministry by these fiery arrows. Essentially, we are talking this morning about trials and testing in our life and ministry. As we all know, the Bible speaks much of this topic, and I'm sure each of us have taught on this topic many, many times. However, the longer I serve in ministry, the more I realize that we, as ministry leaders, need daily gospel reminders, as I call them. How often do we preach and teach a topic and neglect to see where we are not walking in the gospel freedom ourselves? So this morning, I want to ask us the question, when it comes to the daily arrows in our lives, in what ways are we not living in the truth of the gospel? When the arrows begin to fall upon our ministry, how do we respond? Do we even expect these arrows to be falling in the first place? Are we surprised? And what is our defense? What is our posture in light of these arrows? What does Jesus teach about these arrows? What do we know to be true about these arrows in light of the gospel? I'd like to present five ways that we do not live in the truth of the gospel when it comes to the arrows in our lives and ministry. The first way that we often do not live in the truth of the gospel when it comes to arrows or trials in our ministry is we forget that we are not in control. We love control, don't we? I know I do. It's so much easier for me to have a grip on life, family, and ministry than to assume the Lord does. I'm an organizer, an administrative type, and so for us organized control freaks, we most often think, I got this, Lord. Whether we are aware of it or not, what we are saying in that moment is, I'm enough. I don't need the truth of the gospel in this one area of my life. It reminds me of when I go grocery shopping with my kids. I have three kids, ages 3, 5, and 8. And I hate grocery shopping, by the way, especially at Superstore. If I have to grocery shop, I like to do it at Costco. Who doesn't like shopping at Costco? Maybe it's the free samples or the cheap hot dogs. I'm not sure, but I love Costco. So yeah, anyway, whenever we go shopping as a family, one of my kids always wants to push the cart. To be in control. Without fail, as soon as we get into the store, one of my kids begs to steer the cart. Let me push it, Daddy. Usually it's my three-year-old son Jude. Jude also likes to intentionally run the cart into every food stand possible. So what do I do as a parent? Of course I can't just give over the controls. Not fully, anyway. So I steer the cart with my pinky finger allowing Jude to think he has the reins or full control. But he doesn't, because I have my pinky finger on the cart. Just in case he's about to crash into the bread stand, I can er, steer the cart in the other direction. Who's really in control? Not Jude, no way. We are often like that with areas of control in our lives. We like to at least have our pinky finger on everything. We don't fully trust God to steer our so-called carts of life. Would you agree? You see, when we take full control of our families, finances, hobbies, relationships, and ministry, we diminish the sovereignty of God, his lordship in our lives. We also put ourselves in the place of Savior, only a place where he should be. In a sense, we dethrone him. Even as pastors and church leaders, we need, we need a reminder that Jesus is, right now, Ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. Nothing slips through his knowledge, his understanding, or his lordship. Not even the arrow or trial that is bearing down on you even today. Do we live in light of this truth when arrows fly? Are we teaching, and more importantly, modeling this truth to our people? The truth that, when trials and ministry are upon us, Jesus is aware. He hasn't left us, and He is in control. Isaiah 41.10 reminds us, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Not only is He in control, but we are not left to our own devices. We have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live as Christ to live the impossible, to respond in such a way that also seems impossible. The second way that we often do not live in the truth of the gospel when it comes to the arrows in our ministry is that we forget we are called to suffer. You see, we all too often forget that it's not about us. It's about his mission. It's ultimately about the glory and fame of Jesus, and by God's grace, he loves us and chooses us in seeing his mission accomplished through his bride, the church. We worship a God that is all too familiar with suffering. Our Savior suffered the greatest act of human suffering known to man. Not only on the cross, but also in his life and ministry, do we see Jesus being tested, tempted, and suffering at the hands of men. One of the greatest messages to the church in Philippi and us, to, and us today was one of suffering for the sake of the gospel. We know this and are reminded of this when Paul makes statements like, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or when he says in 1 Peter, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. As we all know, the idea or theology of suffering as Christ followers is being contested today by some teaching that would suggest that suffering is due to a lack of faith in Jesus. Essentially, that suffering in this life is not what God would have for us, that it's not His best or even His will for us. However, we see all throughout Scripture that God uses suffering as one of His primary means of revealing His glory. I also believe that suffering, as believers today, is one of the greatest ways we make Jesus known in our lives. It can be one of our strongest evangelistic tools. Not if, but when we suffer. How do we view suffering in light of the gospel? How do we respond to suffering in light of the gospel? And what does that communicate to the world watching? It is through our suffering, our trials, our arrows in life and in ministry where we have the greatest opportunity to point people to Jesus. As pastors and leaders, how often do we miss this opportunity? The third way that we do not often live in the truth of the gospel when it comes to arrows in our ministry is we forget that people, including ourselves, are broken. Romans 3.23 reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all know the state of this world we live in and more so the state of our own hearts. The fracture that sin has caused. Yes, we see this in societal brokenness and and in creation, but where we see this most is in the human heart or condition of the human heart. Our rebellion from God since the garden draws us daily away from the light and towards the darkness, as John 3 talks about. Broken leaders leading broken people, the blind leading the blind. But the gospel reminds us that although we live in a world that is yet to be fully restored, we have hope. Hope in the work and person of Jesus. That he is our light. And so we don't live in despair. We don't leave people with a sense of hopelessness in spite of our sin and their sin. We recognize our sin, repent from it, and worship the one who paid for it. When I was in pastoral ministry... We would have weekly staff meetings every Wednesday morning, as I'm sure many of you do. We'd take the time to review the previous Sunday, look ahead to the coming Sunday, cast vision, calendar events, and so on. But we'd also take time to pray for the people of the church. We would have frank conversations about church members, updating one another as pastors regarding specific care and needs that we needed to follow up on that week. It was a shocking weekly reminder of how broken And needy the church really is and then of course we talk about the EGRs in ministry are you familiar with this term EGRs I'm sure you are it's extra grace required people in your ministry that require extra grace many of these church members are really good at firing weekly and sometimes daily arrows at you and your ministry team people that deep down would be okay with if they decided to attend the ministry next door these conversations often led us to say sarcastic comments like, wouldn't ministry be so much easier if people weren't involved? Yeah, people just get in the way of ministry. Of course, we were joking, or half-joking at least. The point I want to make here is simple. We often expect sinless people in a sin-filled world, especially when it comes to our ministries. When arrows are fired from within, we become frustrated, angry, angry, Wondering why our people would react or think in such a way. Oh, how easily we forget their daily need for a Savior. Not to mention our need for one also. How often as leaders do we lead forgetting the fundamentals of the gospel in our lives. And in the lives of those whom we are leading. Ephesians 2 verse 8 must be so near to our hearts on a daily basis. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. And number four, we forget that we are being sanctified. Oh, how often do we forget that Jesus isn't done with us. This is such amazing gospel news, isn't it? In spite of our sin, Jesus loves us so much and is continuing to work on us for his purposes and his glory. We can boldly lead people in ministry knowing that God is also at work in us, that we don't have to be perfect or cast a savior complex on those whom we lead. Like them, we too are a work in progress. I would also argue that it is through the arrows of life and ministry that we are being shaped, molded, and refined, made more like Christ. We all know this as leaders, or do we? This morning do we need a reminder that it is by our experiences and our trials that we grow in Christ's likeness the most. It is by refiner's fire that we become more like Jesus, a more useful kingdom tool. First Peter reminds us, Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Friends, pastors, do not be surprised. Are you surprised today by the arrows in your ministry? Paul even takes it one step further in Romans 5 when he says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Or the all-too-familiar words in James that we've taught on many times Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let me ask us, do we forget the gospel truth that Jesus is still working on us? Do we forget that he is also still working on those whom he's entrusted to us? Do we see the arrows of life and ministry as opportunities that Jesus is making us more like himself? And last but not least, the fifth way that we often do not live in the truth of the gospel when it comes to the arrows in ministry is we forget that we are at war. We are reminded in Ephesians 6 verse 12 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have an enemy that is prowling around like a lion, looking to devour. Satan is not pleased with your calling to serve Jesus and his church. He's looking to knock you down, take you out, and will try and use any means necessary. I can assure you nothing makes Satan more angry And when you are faced with a trial or arrow in ministry and you respond in light of the gospel, seeing it as as an opportunity to grow in Christ-likeness and glorify him. What he, the enemy, wants is that arrow to take you out, discourage you, whisper lies in your life and vision for ministry. Remember, Our enemy is trying to prevent the kingdom from advancing, but we know that Jesus has already won the battle through the cross. Jesus reminds us in Matthew that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let me ask you, do you lead and live in the gospel truth that Jesus has already won the battle? And if so, are we aware and on guard that we do have a toothless lion doing his best to destroy our work in ministry? That Satan does have the ability and some freedom to do all that he can to prevent kingdom advancement. The last thing I want to say on this point is that we all too often forget our position in this war. I love using war or soldier analogy, even as a Mennonite, when it comes to the trials or battles we face in ministry. We often forget that we too are soldiers subject to a commanding officer. One of the best miniseries on World War II ever to air TV is called Band of Brothers. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It was released back in 2001 by HBO. It was produced by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, just to give you an idea of how exceptional this show really is. It's a very intense depiction of World War II, and it follows the troops from the 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment called Easy Company. And there's one young soldier in the company named Lieutenant Albert Blythe. And in one of the episodes, Lieutenant Blythe has a moment where he confesses his fear of war and death to his commanding officer. Blythe tells the story of on D-Day where he parachuted into battle. He explains that he ended up getting lost from the other troops. He then tells a senior officer that he just ended up hiding in the woods And didn't even bother to find or look for his company. He then goes on to say to his commanding officer that in that moment of vulnerability, I just kind of stayed put. And his commanding officer says, you know why you hid in that ditch, Blythe? And Blythe responds, I was scared. And then his commanding officer says these battle-changing words to him. We're all scared. You hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope. But Blythe, the only hope that you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. And as soon as you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. All war depends on it. I find this scene very moving and impactful in the way I see our role in ministry. Particularly the way we see ourselves as followers of Jesus in this world. Our position, our standing are mandated soldiers of Jesus Christ. In many ways, the story and the truth the commander tells Lieutenant Blythe is true for us also. Of course, we do have hope. Hope in the finished work of Jesus. Hope in the fact that the war is already won. But there is some truth in how we fight as dead soldiers for the cause of Christ. How we see ourselves in light of our position or rank with our commander. You see, we too are dead, in a sense, the Bible says that we no longer live, that it is Christ who lives in us, in the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in Jesus who died for us. I'm paraphrasing, of course, Galatians 2:20, as we're all familiar with it. This story causes me to ask three questions of my life and ministry that I've been entrusted to, and I ask you these same three questions. Number one: how am I fighting this war for Jesus? Am I scared? hiding in the trenches? Or number two, do I really believe and live, Galatians 2.20, that my life is no longer mine? And number three, that I am his, and that all war depends on it. As pastors and leaders, we need daily gospel reminders that ground us in our identity in Jesus I'm here to remind you and to remind myself this morning that our identity is not pastor, reverend, bishop, director, elder, or whatever worldly title you have on your business card. Your identity is in Jesus, a child of the living God, called out, set apart for his purposes and his glory. The gospel reminds us that when we are faced with the arrows of ministry, we are not ultimately in control. That suffering makes us more like Christ. That we are sinful leaders leading sinful people. That by God's grace, Jesus hasn't given up on us and he is still working on us. And lastly, that we still wage war until Jesus' return. Brothers, sisters, as we leave today, regardless of what arrows we face in our ministries, would we covet together to live and respond in light of these gospel truths that we teach and hold so dear. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Healthy Christian Leader Podcast. If you enjoyed it, consider leaving a review. And if you're looking to grow with like-minded Christian leaders, consider engaging with our online community. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at aaronministries.com.